On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Icarn Lehman, presented by River Wind Casino, we recap OU's win, yes, win, over Kansas. We also recap some of the other great games of Week 7 in college football, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, October 17th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, please just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now recording this Sunday afternoon this is really dumb. We're doing it right in the middle of the Bills <laughs> Chiefs game. I don't know why we thought this was a good idea, but please forgive us. Uh, leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, the Oklahoma Sooners won a football game and we get to talk about them winning a game. It feels so, it's going to feel so good. Feels amazing. Anxiety lifted. Uh, the pressure relief valve has been popped. This is great. I love it. Um, wasn't perfect, but there was a lot of really good stuff in there. No doubt. Now, normally, throughout the season, we've been starting with the defense. I would like to keep the positive vibes rolling. Can we start with the offense? Let's do it. Go ahead. Fire 52 points. 701 yards of offense. And it felt like they left some yards and points on the field. And yeah. that is, while it's not an overly talented Kansas defense, we talked about that before the game, it is, it's a disciplined group that's played some decent ball. For Oklahoma's offense to make that defense look that bad, that is an accomplishment. And to do it with three turnovers, I, I mean, if you cut those out, Blow really the Sooners stopped themselves on those drives. So yeah, let's just, let's jump into it. You just want to start, go position by position? Yeah, let's do it. Well, Dylan Gabriel makes a bit of a difference for this football team. <laughs> let's say so. Uh, quite the difference, in fact. And, you know, speaking of the turnovers, clearly got to clean those up, right? There was the miscommunication on the interception to Mims. I, I don't know, because Mims, like, sat down in that hole in the zone, and DG thought he was going to keep going. He throws it right to a guy from Kansas. Then 
Ball just falls out of his hand on the option concept. And then Javante Barnes elbow knocks it out on kind of the open hand fumble interception where everyone's looking around going, what, what just happened? But other than that, pretty dang good, man. It was good. It was good to see him back out there too. I I thought he was, especially starting the game off sharp, accurate zip on his ball. Um, you know, he, he made his plays in the running game right out of the gate, which I thought was important for Lebby to call that early. And, you know, whatever, whatever type of, you know, unease or whatever that, that Gabriel may have at that point, you just go out there, you make a play, you get tackled, you take a hit and typically all the anxiety is gone. Um, I like that he was throwing the football away. You know, he hadn't done that previously. And I know it shows up as incompletions, but, you know, early in the season, he was pulling it down, you know, trying to go look for something else and taking sacks and negative plays. He got rid of it. Um, ball was flying out of his hand. I thought he was excellent. After, after having some time off coming back, I thought he was excellent. Yeah, 403 yards passing for DG uh, against the Jayhawks. And after going back and watching it, and I went back and watched all 105 plays or whatever it was, I thought he made good decisions on a lot of the RPO stuff right? Depending on the box count or depending on kind of reading that apex backer, that overhang backer, you know, when that guy looked like he was filling the run, he did the smart thing. He pulled it and he threw it right in behind him. Like he made, I thought he made good decisions in those RPO situations. And I thought he operated the offense really efficiently. One, one thing that stood out to me, and maybe I'm crazy, Ted, the tempo felt more under control. Yeah. In, in the game, like it didn't feel as chaotic, chaotic as frantic, mm -hmm. right? It, it, they were still playing fast, but it felt a little smoother, a little more organized. Am I crazy? But that's nope. just how it seemed. Maybe it's because they played better. That's probably got a lot to do with it. When the chains but were it moving, just, yeah. It did not seem, uh, it never seemed panicked or rushed. It seemed like, hey, they were operating very comfortably and quickly, but not too fast, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it, it never felt rushed. It just felt smooth and efficient. It's like smooth as fast. And that's what it looked like. And, you know, I do think though, in a lot of the game, they weren't operate, they were operating at a, you know, cause we were out in front with the lead. So, you know, I don't know if that was necessarily the fastest they could uh, actually go, but yeah, I know. I agree. It was under control. It was methodical. You know, late in the game, what we went on a super long drive, only paid it off with the field goal. Wish we could have got the touchdown, but yeah, that was 18 or so plays of all run. Or not, I guess it wasn't all run, but mainly run. And and that was excellent. But yeah, I I totally agree on the pacing. Yeah. And you mentioned Levy wasn't scared to dial up a little run game with Dylan Gabriel either. Uh, I liked some of that stuff. He continues, hey, slid and protected himself. I like that in a lot of those situations, but Man, uh, how much are we going to have to pay for him and Marvin Mims to connect on one of those long ones? I know it. It just, I, I mean, it. I feel it's been, it feels like it's been eternity. Has it been since Kent State when, remember, busted coverage, Marvin was wide open down the sideline since those two have connected like on a deep ball? I think so. I think wow. so. Yeah, that one where 
I think we took a sack. Um, you know, they run the play to Drake Stoops, and then they do this nice little switch where Drake plays on the outside and nonchalant Mims plays in that slot, and then he just rips it right up the seam, and he had him torched. It was another one where he was just, you know, you could see those poor guys hanging on for dear life trying to catch up to him, and he's gone, but we couldn't get the ball off. Yeah, but just kind of last thoughts on Dylan Gabriel. A few just still kind of oddly inaccurate throws, but all things considered, right, him being out for a couple weeks, I thought thought he was pretty pretty dang good, man. Clearly got to cut the turnovers out. Like, can't have that, right? You can't do that. Um, You do that against anyone else left on your schedule, you're you're probably losing. But that was all things considered – 52 points, 700 plus yards of offense. I thought QB one played pretty dang good. Yeah. Nope. I, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like he had some serious confidence rolling into this game and I hope he, I hope he carries that forward. And I hope the fan base has a little bit of a renewed feeling or appreciation towards uh, Dylan Gabriel, seeing what it looks like without him and seeing what it looks like with him, right? I feel like um, we 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 have such a high bar around here that I think we forget sometimes what's right there in front of our face. And and Dylan Gabriel, yeah, this team goes nowhere without him, nowhere. So it was awesome to have him back. Yeah, you and I certainly have a. Uh... Large, healthy amount of respect for that young man now. Okay, on to the running backs. I thought some of the running game stuff was really good. Uh, I thought Levy did a nice job of just blending a lot of different concepts, throwing a lot of different things at Kansas. And some of the stuff was simple. It's like, hey, if you're going to give us a five-man box, we're going to run it. If you're going to give us a six-man box, we're going to pull the RPO stuff and throw it. Uh, I mean – and whether it was two high safeties, one high, you know, we talked a lot about it on the broadcast, but pretty simple, clean pictures for this offense when it came to the run game. And boy, Eric Gray looked good. He did, boy. How many times did we have it blocked up? And there he is. He's one on one. They fit it how they're supposed to. He's one on one with the unblocked player and comes up hugging air. Anthracite gray for Eric Gray. It's his color, man. It's his color for sure. And, you know, 176, two touchdowns. You mentioned, I thought he was just fantastic in space. I thought it was his best game at OU. I mean, when you just thought about, like, the impact plays, he had the big, explosive impact plays that we've kind of been hoping for from him over these last couple seasons. He had several. In this game, like the best one was, you know, the touchdown gets called back for a terrible hold. That was not a hold on Chris Murray. And he was like, all right, I'll just do it again. And he just did it. It was, that was, that was one hell of a performance for Eric Gray. And he did it in between the tackles. He did it on some of those edge runs. He did it on some of those swing passes, right? Like he did a little bit of everything for that offense. I thought he was, man, if, it was between him, Braden Willis, who for who had the biggest impact on the game. He was good. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I really like and I think is is really impressive. You're right. I think this was his best game as a Sooner. 
And I also feel like we've said that like four or five times this year. Yeah. Which means he's constantly upping the bar week after week. He's, he's getting better and stronger and more confident. He's understanding and trusting the run schemes and gets the timing of them better than he has at any other point. And he is just trashing those open players whenever he's got them one-on-one. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. I, I still think, you know, with the week off, you know, cause he was, he was hobbled out there. I don't know what was going on. You know, he limped off the field really bad. I was worried about it and he got all, you know, banged up a little bit. What in the TCU game. So a week off and I know they're going to be getting some work in and stuff, but you know, to be able to regroup a little bit here and then hit the stretch run, which, you know, our, the stretch run isn't going to be easy, but the schedule's a little bit lighter, in my opinion, on the back end, other than maybe the Oklahoma State game. I think every other game, you know, in, in Oklahoma State, I'm not saying it's not winnable, but the rest of them, I think you should win the rest of those games. And then Oklahoma State, we'll see what happens. But to have him playing his best, then getting a bye, I, I feel really, really good about that. The only thing I worry about is, like, does he lose that magic that he's got going right now? But I don't think that's going to be a problem. No, just, you know, talking to him after the game, interviewing him after the game, he just, they talk about him being a pro. Like, I think he's just kind of locked in. He, he knows how important this year is for him and his football future. I think he's taken, you know, the, the body maintenance stuff, all that stuff very, very seriously. So I'm with you. I think he's going to be even healthier moving forward now that they get, they've got gotten to the bye week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Javante Barnes did some good things. Man, that young dude runs hard. Uh, now, I, I thought he left some yards out there. There's a couple where you're, he, he's making a cut, and you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, but, you know, he, he's, always, he's always bringing physicality when it comes to finishing runs. Uh, thought, you know, punching in those touchdowns, that was, that was big. That was good to see. Um, on the 
the goal line stand before halftime for Kansas. And by the way, I love the fact that they went there. I love the fact that Brent Venables and Jeff Levy were aggressive in that moment. If you go back and watch the first play, I think he's too deep. That should have been a touchdown. Like he's, he's like at his normal depth at running back. And normally you kind of tighten things down and things happen quicker, obviously on the goal line. I think if he just scoots up, there's a nice surge, especially on the right side of that line. I think he could erode that wave a little bit and it would have been a touchdown, but that's really the biggest nitpick I've got is yeah. that maybe his depth was a little off on that goal line situation there, but he, he continues to be impressive for a freshman. No, oh, there's no doubt. Uh, he's got a really high ceiling. You know what? I liked a couple of blitz pickups, one of them for sure. You know, as a freshman, he stepped up there really good in the hole, uh, thudded up one of those backers on a on a free hitter as he was coming through there and in some decent space, which is, you know, it's basically like tackling someone in space. It's not easy. And and he stepped up there really nicely. And him and Rain picked up that little twist coming up the middle really good. So, no, I, I've I've been – been happy with Javante Barnes, but where does that leave us with Marcus Major? I he was in uniform and looked healthy-ish, but I don't think he got a snap, did he? I don't remember him being but out I there. I don't remember. Nope. I mean, he was definitely, I mean, saw him on the sidelines several times. So I, I still think there's a role for him with his power and ex, and explosiveness. But the last time we saw him out on the field, he didn't look close to a hundred percent. So maybe that had more to do with it than anything. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's probably, probably some of it. I, I feel like he'll still get some of his opportunities. I guess, guess we just got to wait and see. I mean, I don't know. They may be, they may be seeing in practice and when they're looking at tape that Javante Barnes is giving him a better, better look right now. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on moving forward. Okay. Wide receivers. I assume they had a lot a lot more fun this oh, week yeah. than they did last oh, yeah. week. And <laughs> let's start with Marvin Mims. Just great to see him get the football. Uh, we talked about it leading the game. Got to get this man the ball. And for whatever reason, still can't connect on the long one, whether it's a couple of those deep shots that him and Dylan Gabriel couldn't connect on or that quick slant that it looked like if DG would have put it out in front a little bit, he probably catches it, maybe takes it to the house. But I love that. Lebby found all kinds of different ways to just get the ball in his hands. And that was the most important thing. And it felt like Marvin Mims was back to having a big impact on the football game for this offense. 16 targets, right? And that what a it lot. was 16 targets. Um, he continues, you know, we didn't hit on the very first play of the game, which they threw a deep ball to Mims, but it set the tone for Kansas right away that, Hey, this, this is not the offense you've seen the last couple of weeks. We are going vertical. We're going to stretch the field on you. And that was the case. You know, whenever he is involved, he does, he does so much damage out there just by the coverage that he draws, the, the way that defensive coordinators have to always be leery of the deep stuff and give help. So I thought he was excellent. Yeah. Jalil Farouk, kind of a quiet day. For Jalil, but once again, he he continues to really impress me with the way that he's blocking. Like that dude, he plays his ass off no matter if he's got the ball. He, he is he continues to impress. The I, I thought the receivers and tight ends, whenever they're out in the slot, I thought it was their best game blocking 
by far. It was just, it was amazing. Just caving guys backwards uh, off the line of scrimmage whenever we're running the bubbles and stuff, convoying all the way downfield, blocking guys 20, 25, 30 yards down the field. I thought it was excellent. I agree. Uh, Theo Weiss, clearly a guy that was very frustrated last week. Uh, didn't it wasn't even on the field much with what the game plan looked like against Texas. Good to see him have some impact plays. Really nice route, kind of on the hitch, the kind of like ah, hesitate and blow by you. Beautiful route. Uh, that play worked exactly how you draw it up. And just, just nice to see him have an impact on the game. And then Drake Stoops, maybe the best way to describe it is he makes tough catches and he's now the jet sweep guy. Like that's it. Tough catches and jet sweeps. That's Drake Stoops existence right now. Yeah. And he's got an eye for it, you know, which is interesting. Typically the jet sweep goes to the fastest receiver that you got. That's usually the guy that you target on that. And, you know, he's just got a really good knack for it. I think part of it is they send him in motion so much that it's a little bit better way to hide it than whenever you've got your your speed guy coming across the formation, everyone's antennas go up perhaps, but he does a really good job finding those those open areas. And I'd like to just do a study at some point on Drake Stoops. Doesn't it feel like 90 to 95% of his touches result in a first down? Isn't that just how it goes? It he does, it did seem like he was signaling first down <laughs> a lot in this one. Yep. Just like awesome. and it's just a subtle, like, okay, here we go. Not very, uh, not very demonstrative, but yeah, dude, he continues to make plays and, you know, last Which, of this. It was awesome to see coach Stoops rocking the, uh, the 12 Jersey yesterday. That was awesome. That was awesome. But I'm, I'm wondering how many of those Carol ordered. It's gotta be a lot. Probably <laughs> it's gotta be a lot. Sell them out. That's but it great. is, yeah, that was, I walked into the tunnel. I saw that Jersey. I was like, that is awesome. It's like, I, I don't think I'd ever seen Bob in something other than like a t-shirt or a polo. And he had that Jersey on it. It took me a while. I was like, wait, what is happening here? It was awesome. I left the booth during the pregame show and went down to the field for a minute. And in between like the elevators that go up to the press box and where kind of the, the South end zone is, it's just all bunch of fans in there. And I guess part coach Stoops just parks right down there under the, uh, in that <laughs> under the stadium. And he was walking up and at first I almost didn't even notice him because he blended in with all the other fans that were there. And I was like, Oh, Hey coach is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. Braden Willis. I, I don't know what else we can say about this guy, man. I mean, I, I will say that that dude has made himself a lot of money this season. Yes, sir a lot and he's become a bigger weapon as a pass catcher you saw that early with that nice catch and run you saw it on the spinning little pirouette touchdown down the sideline keeping the feet in bounds uh, that was great but just his his impact as a blocker man he had another one right another yep. just they run that little zone insert concept and he just took Barry Hill for an absolute ride on the, I think that was the direct snap to Eric Gray, right? Mm -hmm. And man, I we're running out of things to say about number nine. Man, he's yeah. he's he's been fantastic. I I said on the post game, Toby always asked me. I have to do a player of the game. 
And I said, it's Braden Willis. And I'll just go ahead and take him as the player of the game for every future game until I see otherwise. Because there's, there's been one guy on the team that has played the exact same in every single game at the same speed, the same intensity. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the opponent is. He plays the exact same, and that is at full tilt. I, I absolutely love the kid, and I'm sad that this is his last season. I agree. But I thankful that he's there to help set the foundation with this new staff moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, offensive line-wise, just hit on each guy real quick. Uh, Anton Harrison thought he looked a little healthier, uh, did some nice things in the run game, was absolutely locked down in pass protection. And, and one of the things I'm starting to see just when it comes to an area of improvement, his violence when he arrives at the second level now is right. He used to kind of get there and do a little dance with linebackers. And now he is starting to punish some of those guys, which I'm a big fan of watching. Um, left guard, you saw a little bit of Matoyer. You saw some Conjol. Uh, kind of got similar things from them. I, I think Conjol maybe has a little more awareness uh, if, if you're comparing the two guys. And with the bye, with these two weeks, I, I wonder if he'll overtake uh, Matoyer as that starter at left guard because that that ankle has been holding Conjol back. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. But thought both of those guys were were very solid in that game. Andrew Rame, that's about as good as I've seen from him when it came to finishing blocks. Uh, thought he had some nice things where he's playing with good pad level in the running game on double teams. Uh, I would I would like to see him have some more awareness. He just there's just some things he doesn't get his eyes in the right place fast enough and he just gets blasted because of it. And I don't know if it's because his, his other linemen aren't warning him quick enough or he's not seeing it quick enough, but some of that reaction stuff on those internal blitzes, because Crossfire was the, I mean, that was the flavor of the day for mm-hmm. Kansas defensively. And if he could react quicker with his eyes, he would make his life a whole lot easier. But overall, nice game. and. Maybe most importantly, not a single snap issue. Right? And they did all kinds of different timing things, and he was he was money snapping the football. Uh, Chris Murray, that hold was not a hold. Uh, I thought he was solid. He's getting a, he's getting pulled a little more than I would like to see, and, and that we've seen from him in the past. But he's still playing with the physicality you want to see. I thought he got a little tired in the game and don't really blame him. You're wearing gray jerseys and it was hot as shit. And they ran a hundred plays. Yeah. So um, you can understand a little fatigue there. And then Wanya Morris overall thought he played well in the run game. He's coming along in the run game, uh, what he does with his hand placement and his hips, but he's got to get some things cleaned up in pass protection because he gave up the sack, right? Uh, you know, DG gets blindsided as a result of it. And he also, he got beat a couple other times and frankly got away with a couple egregious holds, (laughs) which, Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but he he's got to be more consistent technically in pass protection. 
And it was at some points time, it almost seemed like, Hey, he took his set and kind of relaxed just for a second. And you, you, that's the last thing you can do. Never relax ever. But other than that, like they ran the hell out of the ball. The offense was humming. Was it perfect? No. Could it be better? Sure. But overall, I mean, thought they imposed their will nicely in the fourth quarter. It's about as complete of a performance we'd seen from the offensive line this season. Yeah, I I agree. I thought they thought they looked pretty good from from my perspective. I, I and I agree on Harrison. It seems like he's getting better and better as he goes. And you know, I, I've seen him throughout the last couple of weeks, kind of slow to get up, laboring, which you know he's playing through some things. Which it's good to like. It's almost like it's making him angry out there, and that's part of it you know rarely are you going to play through a whole season and not have some type of nagging things whether it's an ankle or a knee or a shoulder or whatever it may be there's always something out there and to see him like play focused tough hard-nosed football through some of those things is is impressive yeah and the bye week is going to be very very kind to him i assume get him healed up get him some rest for this stretch run. So you got anything else offensively? I, you know, it was, it was fun to watch them score a lot of points again. Felt it was, nice. I'll say this. I thought just overall, I thought Jeff Lebby called a masterpiece of a football game. You saw, you saw double move stuff. You saw wildcat stuff. Um, I thought the pacing was excellent. I thought spreading the football around horizontally and, and stressing the defense both horizontally and vertically was great. Um, you know, just getting Dylan Gabriel involved in the running game early on, I thought that was excellent. Uh, even I even like the option stuff. You know, I know we fumbled on that one, but Dylan Gabriel's about to make a nice play on it. Yeah. And to put that stuff in there, I when you have option, now all of a sudden almost every formation that you – insert defensively we got to have a conversation about okay well who's the who's the quarterback man and who's the pitch man and how do we play speed option out of this which just adds to it's just another layer of things that you have to worry about defensively in every single formation so I thought the stuff that they put in was excellent a lot of the stutter and go stuff that they had a couple of different uh plays like that I thought they were great I after the game, you know, we, we interview Levy and roof after each game. My first question to him was, I was told you were the worst offensive coordinator in the country, uh, this entire week. What happened out there? <laughs> How'd you put he, up uh, 700 yards of offense? Yeah. He, uh, he got a good kick out of that one. All right. I I'm curious what you got to say, man. Let's let's talk some OU defense against the Jayhawks. The floor is yours, sir. Well, you know, it's interesting. I come away from this game, and I don't know if it's just the fact that we've, you know, we've, we've got off the losing streak. We won a game. There was stretches in there of some really good defense. But, you know, we knew that there was going to be some things in this game, just based off of what Kansas does, that were going to be problematic. And I, I thought we did a pretty good job navigating our way through that. And then we let our guard down on a couple of drives that were really frustrating late um, before the half. So 
those you obviously got to get cleaned up. But I came away from that game, Gabe, thinking that we as a team are knocking on the door of playing really good defense, which is interesting, right? Uh, yeah, because they gave up 42 to Kansas. It's interesting. They gave up 42 to Kansas. Um, now, I'll throw a couple of things in there, some obvious things. Offense turned the ball over three times, all right? That hurts the defense, some of them in bad field position, okay? Um, we gave up uh, – like, we didn't have many of the free runners. Most of the things, especially early, that they made were super tight, tough, competitive plays. That first touchdown down on the goal line defended great. How that ball got through there and he caught that, I don't know, but we're in really good position there. A couple of the other big plays that they they made on third down in really good position, they just made plays. Some of that stuff is going to happen. But here's the here's the real reason why I think we're close. I saw adjustment and anticipation of problem areas on the secondary and linebacker level that we just have not seen. Like it, we've been totally oblivious to some of those things. And a lot of our fits, you know, whenever I'm I'm watching during the game, I feel like it was, you know, a total screw up. I come back and I watch the film and I'm like, actually that there's like some really unique things that happened on some of them and the fits weren't that bad. And there's this team makes it more difficult to fit the run than anyone that we play. And I thought we did overall a pretty good job. Was it great? Was not great, but I'm seeing signs. Like I think Danny Stutzman and he made some mistakes out there, but I think he played his best game and like, forget, the tackles forget everything else his eyes his footwork and his awareness were light years better than what he's been doing there's a play and it it was a completed pass in it but it was you know it, it wasn't on him but he's a flat player he reroutes off the snap goes super deep vertical maintaining his leverage on the back that's swinging and he's carrying the back to the flat, but he's doing it at a deep vertical angle to give help underneath the number one wide receiver. At the beginning of the season, he's jumping the guy, the running back to the flat right now. Oh, I'm the flat player. There's a running back in the flat. I, I have him. There's just so much, there's so many of those nuanced things that he's improved so much at. And I see the same thing from Aguebu. Now, They've, they've had some problems at the point of attack, it, you know, and I've told them this, they're both still playing too high and they're getting knocked off their path too much because of that. But the eyes and the fits are so much better than they were even two weeks ago. It's insane. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with what I'm seeing at linebacker. And that's why I'm saying like, we've got a bye week here and, you know, as we gear up, the, the offenses we have the rest of the way are way more what you see is what you get than it's been against Texas and Kansas 
not necessarily the case against TCU, but um, I think the offenses they're going to see are, are way more straightforward. Um, I thought the defensive line, we played a four-man front almost the entire game. And I thought the defensive line, they weren't great to start off, but after that, they were penetrating. They were knocking off pullers. Um, they did a pretty good job getting to the quarterback. You know, some of the things that we run during some of those past situations were a little bit more of like a, a flush with a spy than they were all out rush to the quarterback. So uh, all in all, I think the defensive line did a pretty good job, batted some passes down. Like I said, there was some really good penetration on plays and they make it really difficult on our defensive ends. Like you were talking about the influence block. We got some of those, you know, they stress you with option coming right at you. They stress you with zone read away where, you know, you're, you may be the quarterback player. So there was a whole lot on those guys this week. And I thought for the most part, they did a pretty good job. Um, secondary. I thought the secondary, other than whenever we got like discombobulated there on a couple of times and like, I don't know what happened. It's almost like we just stopped playing. But for the majority of the football game, the adjustments were sharp. We didn't lose guys. We learned from things that happened previously. We got, we look like uh, a little league team playing one of the first bunch routes that they hit us with. But after that, communication beforehand, I could see it. They light up and, and they've got two guys tied to the core. The corner's already talking to the safety. Then his guy motions and they're communicating. The backer understands they're all on the same page. And I saw that throughout for most of the rest of the time. So, yeah, we gave up 42 to Kansas. Um, that's good offense. I know it's their backup quarterback, but being he made some really good. What do you have? Four touchdowns again? Yeah. So, uh, pretty good for a backup quarterback. Eight touchdowns in two weeks. But uh, they made some plays on us. But I, I feel like we may not be over the hump, but the top of the hill is in sight. I, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. Now, uh, there were a couple big explosive runs, a little disappointing with how they fit some of that stuff, especially that long one from Devin Neal. But just a couple things as I went through and watched I agree with you. The CJ Colton interception was awesome. That's my first Amazing. note. Amazing. Yeah. That was uh that was a really good play. And I, I think we're gonna continue to see more of him. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's about that, production, man. When you produce, you find your way on the football field. I thought for the first and maybe not for the first time, but Key Lawrence for I don't know if it's the first time this season, but one a, a rare occasion for the safety position so far this year where I saw a safety fly to a run fit and knock the shit out of somebody. Yep. Just and he right had a couple half. of them. Yep. Sawed him off. And it was, you could see, like you're saying, adjustment recognition. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's pour it downhill and let's play physical football. And the thing was like that whole, that gap was opening and he was already there. Yep. And it just kind of like what you're saying with the backers, like that 
I could see growth in Key Lawrence in that one play where I was like, he's he's seeing it clearly. He's thinking clearly out there. And that was makes a great he made a great jump on that one that <laughs> hit him in the hands. He's got to be able to catch that, but really had a couple good of read. those. Yeah. It, you know, he made a good read on that first touchdown that they got and had a good hit on the guy. 99 out of 100 times that that ball is separated there and it just kind of pops straight up in the air to him. I I also think if he would have just looked at the ball, he could have just picked it off. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, um, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way, but there were a few instances from him where I was like, okay, it seems like it's clicking. And then yep. it was a bummer that Ethan Downs got hurt because just like a handful of snaps that he had early in that game. And he, there were some flash plays where you're like, okay, could be a fun day for him, but it seemed like a neck or shoulder, like stinger situation for him. So he was by week. Yeah, he came off the ball on on some of those those plays where they're target they're targeting him with like like quick action and quarterback right there in your face like it's a lot and they leave you unblocked and he what they want you to do is like stand up and just freeze and shit yourself right is what they want and that is not he was aggressive and flying and like whatever you do make them be decisive right away it will rally to what has happened if the quarterback's keeping it great we'll rally if they're going to give it to the outside good we'll rally but he made them have to declare what exactly they were doing right away um one criticism you mentioned the defensive line wasn't great early uh they had some stretches where they looked really good you got to have more production more disruption more production not enough tackles for loss from that group um, and can you believe that's Deshaun White's first interception in his career? Is that right? Huh? The first one he's ever, that, he's been there for 15 years. How is that? I, I couldn't believe it when Toby said that on the broadcast. Wow. Yeah. I know he's had some really good opportunities at some in the past and hasn't been able to. to that's what I told him after the game. I said, this cause you, you've just dropped a bunch. Yeah. That was but, a great play that he yeah, made on was, that one. Yeah. Sat back perfectly, had a real good, clean feet to break, get underneath that thing on the inside. It was a good play. He was sharp too, man. And, you know, he had that interception, and I don't know how much production he had other than that, but there were some plays where he was the spy player, and they kind of run this little flush, and it flushes him to one side, and – he looks faster and more aggressive than he's ever looked out there. And he's not one of the fastest backers that they got. He's just not, but he plays like he's the fastest backer, uh, you know, that we've got on the team. Yeah. All right. You got anything else defensively before we get to call your shot? It's coming. I'm telling you it's coming. I think I bet we play our best um, defensive game of, of conference play against Iowa state. And there's a chance that not only is it, it good, it could be great. Does that have anything to do with the fact that they can't run the football at all and their quarterback's not any good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just, just <laughs> sort of to make sure. All right, let's get to call your shot. We ask you guys your number one takeaway from OU's win over Kansas. This first one comes from Steve McVay, and I feel like a lot of OU fans feel this way. Said He says, we better score a lot of points because it doesn't look like we can stop anybody still, and we need to stop turning the ball over. 
Hashtag go Sooners. Hashtag finish strong. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think that's that, that's most. We, we want to score a lot of points, and I think we are going to score a lot of points. Um, I don't agree that we're not going to stop anybody, though. You know, I I like I said, I see progress. I see progress. Let, let's and go. It helps with- a lot to see progress whenever your offense is playing well. When they're not. And the defense is constantly out there, and the score just keeps getting higher and higher. It's it's harder to see. I, I think you should go with the I'm seeing progress instead of the we're close. Did I say we're close? I don't think I, I did. I think I, it won't try. I, I think there might have been a we're close it. in there, man. <laughs> I've been I've been trying to uh purposely avoid that phrase. Uh, but I, I do believe we're getting better. I'm seeing progress. Okay. And this last one comes from at chili water 405, who says a lot of freshmen appeared to be really good, arguably better than what we have already. Freeman RSJ. We didn't talk about him. He looked, yeah. he looked damn good in New Jersey. Uh, Barnes, Canick, and Thomas all come to my, all come to mind. Future is right. I'll tell you right now. Our Mason Thomas is the best pass rusher they got. And it ain't close. No offense to Downs or Grimes, but the guy just, he has, it's so clear when you turn the tape on, he has so much more twitch than anyone else. Well, he's like 50 pounds lighter than they are. I, which <laughs> comes, helps. Yeah. It, it, helps, it helps, but now you're hoping he'll add the weight, he'll add the mass and keep that twitch, right? That's, now that's Jerry Schmidt's job. I'm sure, I'm sure Schmidt will figure it out. But man, he, he comes in in some of those passing situations. It's like, he wins every single time. It's it's impressive. Yeah. No, I I'll push back on I I think we've got some good freshmen that for the future looks very bright with all of those guys mentioned. But I'll push back that they're better than what we've already got. Right. At least right now. I mean, I like all those guys. I like Javante Barnes. I think he's going to be fantastic. He ain't better than Eric Gray right now. Correct. I like Gavin Freeman. I think he's got a, a really good future. He ain't close to Marvin Mims right now. Correct. Right? Although, awesome catch. Amazing I, catch. Did the crowd did the crowd uh, hit the Stoops chant on that catch a little bit? I think the crowd hit the Stoops chant. I think the TV broadcast hit the Stoops, and uh, the radio broadcast definitely hit the Stoops. It's hard to decipher, especially whenever you can't see those numbers on those great jer- jerseys. I I almost turned my mic on and was like, guys, stop mixing up the white guys. I mean, it's not that hard. They don't look the same. That was a hell of a catch by Freeman though. No, it was great. I I think we've got, I think we've got um, some freshmen that are going to be good, but like can it, can it ain't close to Deshaun white right now? He's not. And that's Um, okay. Cause he's a true freshman. He shouldn't be, you know, and they're coming around though. Those guys are coming around. I where Deshaun White is, Deshaun White is right here right now, and Canick is right here. But like the potential, you flip those. Like Canick, right. his potential's through the roof, and you just see when he's out there the way he moves and the athleticism that he's got. He's he's different than than most guys you ever see. It's gonna come, but it ain't there right now. 
And I know people always want to replace everyone. It's the easiest thing to do. Just put the guy that's been on the bench the entire year in. He's got to be better, right? No. No, he does not. Well, there it is. All right, birthday shout-outs. Happy second birthday to Huck, Nolan, Dean, Nave. Happy ninth birthday to Giovanni Rodriguez. Happy 10th birthday to Zeke Yawn. Happy 14th birthday to Dason. P-Wo. Nailed it. I think you nailed it. <laughs> Happy 31st birthday to Micah, also Brooke. Happy 31st birthday to Dilly Brooks. And happy 40th birthday to Nat and Heath Hansinger. All right, let's recap some of the, I mean, week seven was, whoa. Is this the best week in college football you can remember? It was awesome. Let's talk about a couple of them. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamori. The coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you get, forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSA8, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. Week seven in college football did not disappoint. Incredible. Let's let's start in Ann Arbor, though. Whoa. Michigan with an absolute statement against Penn State, 41-17. And if you watch this game, you know it was not close. This was an absolute beatdown. Ted, I got a question for you. Yeah. You played on a lot of great defenses. What would you do if you gave up 418 yards rushing to an opponent? As a player? Yes. Or coach. Or radio I, guy. As a player, I'd, uh, I'd dig a hole and dive into it for the next six, six months of my life. As a coach... I'd play all the freshmen on the sideline that everyone's asking for, make it worse. Uh, <laughs> and in the media, I, I don't know, 
point and laugh, talk about how horrible everyone is. I, oh, I we've know. been through that the last couple of weeks. We've <laughs> right. kind of done that. But uh, the, in the first half of this game was strange, right? Michigan was moving the ball at will up and down the field. But, you know, give Penn State some credit. They ended up stalling them out, right, down in the red zone, especially it was a lot of times it was at like the five-yard line, and Michigan ended up settling for three field goals. I mean, Michigan was dominating the game, but there was one big Sean Clifford run, and then that really weird pick six for J.J. McCarthy, and somehow Michigan was only up 16-14 at halftime, and Penn State actually took the lead at the start of the second half. And I was sitting there going, as I was rewatching this game, I was like, what the hell? How is this? Like, how is this happening? But the second half, the score started reflecting what was happening in between the lines. And Michigan was just dominant, man. An absolute assault on Penn state's defense, that Michigan offensive line. And that one, two punch of Corman Edwards at running back. They're just doing whatever they wanted. Man, yep. just a really, really impressive performance from the Wolverines. A couple of just massive touchdown runs in the second half of this one. This was – I thought Penn State could go there and give them a game. Incorrect. This was a beatdown. Yeah, and that, that number, that rushing number is shocking considering that Penn State is – They've been giving up like 80 yards rushing a game. They usually have an incredible front seven and they got a stud safety back there that inserts. And you would think like if you beat Penn state, you do it through the air, but whoo buddy. Yeah, you're right. That is a, uh, that's a statement for Michigan for sure. Yeah. And I thought JJ McCarthy played well, right. Played within himself. Now the weird pick six thing that was just, I uh, just kind of bad luck, but there's a few throws where you're like, okay, yeah, this guy, he might have it. And then clearly what he can do as an athlete running just adds more juice to what Michigan can do offensively. And Ted, turns out James Franklin was not due to win a big football game. So, Well, I, here's the thing, and don't feel bad. Don't feel defeated for the Penn State fans. I've got a solution. Just pay James Franklin a little bit more money. One more raise. One more raise for James Franklin, and that's going to be the difference. You're almost there. Close. They're close. <laughs> okay, let, let's move on to the game of the weekend. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Number three, Alabama loses, falls to number six, Tennessee, 52-49 to 49 in just an absolutely epic football game Tennessee ends a 15 game losing streak to Alabama in what was just a thriller uh the fourth quarter of this game man I was at dinner and I basically told my wife I was big group family dinner I was like honey I don't know how to tell you this like I gotta watch this and so I just kind of meandered over to the bar and I was watching the game it was it was incredible insane well, it was, I, I was lucky. I was up, uh, my neighbor's house I had the two TV set up and the Alabama, Tennessee game and the Oklahoma state TCU game was on at the same time. And it just, you know, there was some overlap there, but just an incredible football game that, you know, 
I don't know that I've seen anything like it, frankly, with an atmosphere that big, over a hundred thousand people there. You've got, you know, who's been the the number one team. I know they weren't number one going into this game, but like they're the best program in the country, right? It's Alabama and Tennessee's got some excitement. They're trying to bounce back. They've got some momentum in their season and it all comes together in this game. And, you know, I had people that were like texting me early when, what were, were they up like 28, seven or something? Yeah, they were rolling. I have friends like, dude, Tennessee is incredible. They're going to stomp Alabama. I was like, they're good, but buddy, I'm telling you, they got a dogfight on their hands. Just wait. And it, it turned out to be exactly that down to down to the, the last moment. Incredible. Yeah. And you know, the storyline coming in was the quarterbacks. Both of those guys delivered. I mean, my goodness, Bryce young. And he was, well, I need, I need to know like what that protection plan for Bama was along the offensive line. It's, it felt like there was just free runner after free runner coming after Bryce young. It was and the, the fact that he was able to avoid so many of those guys and make the plays that he did, I think it just kind of speaks to his brilliance, man. Yeah. Now, I didn't see I, – I, obviously, I haven't seen the film of it, but it looks like a lot of, like, zero with the delayed ad. The yeah. guy was delaying uh, the ad late, and he was getting smoked. <laughs> he took some shots out there, man. I – yeah, and Hennon Hooker was – he was great. And credit to him, right, because it, it felt like Tennessee had blown that game right when the hand bam of the scoop and score. And to Hennon Hooker's credit, he didn't let that shake him. He came back, and now they got a big break on that P.I. call in the end zone that negated the Bama interception, which there was a long return on. but. For him to bounce back from that and, and play the way he played, that was really impressive. And this is this is the unfortunate reality of some great games in football, man. Sometimes it comes down to the kickers. And Riker couldn't hit it. Now, they didn't help him out, right? Three plays, they get no yards. He ends up having to kick it from 50. Looked like he was playing the draw, and it just stayed straight on him, Ted. He, he came just a little outside in on it, and just just a little baby cut to the outside of the of the uh, the goalpost there. But but how Tennessee's went through, I have no idea. So I I'm watching it at this restaurant, right? And I'm like, oh my god, it's blocked because they had a jumper who comes clean between the center and the guard. Yeah, and I think it, I think it was like number forty seven or something like that. And it, I, I figured he blocked it. And I was like, wow, how lucky for Tennessee. The guy tips it. It still goes through. But I guess he just knuckled it that bad. He knuckled it. I don't know if the guy tipped it, but I, the view from behind, I was like, the officials said good. I was like, that did not go in. There's no way that There's went no in. There's no chance. And my wife is like, uh, yes, it did. I was like, no, I got to see a replay. There's no way. And it, sure enough, it did. But that is, it don't matter. He didn't care. He had that cigar post game. But yeah. it's the ugliest game winner I think I've ever seen. <laughs> and that fourth quarter was, I mean, just wildly entertaining. 
Uh, so much happened, but I will say, I'm not sure there's a running back that's better than Jameer Gibbs in the country. Ooh. Oh, they should have gave that ball the the ball to that dude more, right? With how much pressure Bryce Young was at, I feel like they could have given him some more touches. But yeah, 17 penalties for Bama, which is a program record. It was just an awesome football game. The scene after it was, I won't lie, I was getting nostalgic. It reminded me, it was like OU Nebraska 2000 for me. Exactly now, obviously, there's more like. people. But them carrying the goalposts out, and th- so they go and throw them in the river. Which, uh, you know, there's a river that runs through town, but from my recollection, it's not like it's right next to the stadium, is it? I think they went on a nice walk. <laughs> I think they have to carry that for a while. <laughs> but do you see the thing? Now, I will say, come on, Tennessee. Do you see the thing where they're asking people to, to like donate for to buy some new goalposts? Just pay yeah. it for your pay it for for that yourselves. Come on, I, what are we I doing? I thought I saw something where Danny White had already before the game, even like the week before, ordered new goalposts because they were they figured if we win this game, they're gone. It's just yeah. uh, it's a lost cause. Well, they were right. And, you know, just a couple thoughts. Actually, one more thing from the game. Did you see the left tackle from Tennessee spew on the field? No. He's just pu- – it, it, it's the most offensive lineman thing ever. You would – you got to go find it. But he's just – they're on a drive. It's kind of late in the game. He's just standing there. They're kind of in the huddle. He vomits. He looks at the defensive line for Alabama and he just starts nodding his head like, yeah, you ready for this? It was awesome, man. It was, it was like the most offensive line thing ever. It was incredible. Uh, just projectile vomit straight into, yeah, you like that? We had everything in that game. We had uh, projectile vomiting. We had a game, ugly game-winning field goal. We had, uh, for unknown reasons, a player on the punt team try and pick up a ball that's rolling around on the field. I that clip, like other than the guy puking and rallying for Tennessee, that clip of Saban yelling at him, like completely. I mean, completely appropriate for Saban to ask him, "What was he doing? What did he think happened?" Other than thinking someone from Tennessee had already touched the football. Right. Which then is a no risk. Like I can go pick it up and advance it. And we, it's still our ball. That's the rule. No idea. No clue. Saban was, (laughs) that's an awesome clip. I know. (laughs) Well, you had that. And then uh, how can you give Alabama just a free touchdown late in the game and still win it (laughs) they just you know they've got the 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 exchange there between quarterback and running back and they both think the other guy has it it just drops straight to the turf easy picks it up he's like look what i found wild i i will say you know there's a conversation now to be had about tennessee being the best team in the sec we're going to find out here in a couple weeks when they play georgia right and then you know, this conversation to be had about Hendon Hooker and the Heisman Trophy and, you know, this team possibly being a national championship contender. But, you know, that's kind of all down the line. Bottom line, 
it was really, it was really cool to see Josh Heupel win that game. Awesome. Awesome. Lighten up the cigars. Um, it it was really, really cool. It was fun that he showed cause he's, he's kind of a coach speak guy, right? Like, let's yep. be real. But you know, those that have, you know, played for him like for a long time, like I did, or played with him like you did. There's a fun side to that dude. And it was cool that he got to show a little bit of that personality post game. I was, I was really happy for him. Yep. That was awesome. Now, um, that pass interference call, I was happy they called it, but I still have not seen anything that would suggest to me that there was pass interference that occurred on that play. I have not either. And sometimes you just need a break against Bama, man. <laughs> no doubt. Wow. But and, and what a break it was. It wasn't just like an incomplete, you know, no, that, that was like game out games over. It's done. Yeah. They returned but, it all the way back to probably what the other 25 yeah. or so. Yeah. Game would have been over, but we recapped everything that happened in this game and didn't even mention that Jalen Hyatt had 207 yards and five touchdowns. Like he's still streaking down the field, catching touchdowns. I assume like Same. what a performance for that dude. That was great. He was money in and hooker hit him and hit him in stride. Like all of those were like, you're hitting a sprinter at full speed, right? He didn't have to break at all. Just like right here. Awesome. And that, that Tennessee offense did that to Bama without their best wide receiver. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty impressive. All right. Oklahoma state went to Fort worth and they lost in overtime 43 to 40 in double overtime. I think the best way to put it, Ted is TCU found a way to get it done because man, they played poorly in the first half. I mean, they, they could not find a rhythm offensively at all settled for field goals. Uh, Spencer Sanders was ripping off big touchdown runs, right? In that first half, TCU had the muff punt. Um, what else happened? John Paul Richardson mossed a dude. Like that was an awesome catch by him. But I just, I, I really thought as I was went back and watched the first half of that game, especially I thought even though they were up, what was it? 24, 13 at halftime. I thought Oklahoma State missed an opportunity to really get out to a big lead in that first half. It it felt like they could have had a commanding like three-score lead heading into that second half, but they they just weren't able to do it. Now, they did take a 14-point lead into the fourth quarter, and they let it go, but I felt like they missed an opportunity that first half with the way that TCU was playing. Yep. No, I, I agree. Um you know, they controlled 80 plus percent of that football game. Yeah. But just could never hit, get that final nail in on TCU. And they had some missed opportunities there. Credit TCU's defense late for getting the stops that they needed to. Um, I was totally annoyed with how much they showed what I can only assume is Spencer Sanders' mom. She got a lot of face time. A lot like, of FaceTime on the broadcast. What was that? Um, which, I mean, I, I, she, there was I did like how much shit she was talking, though. Like, I was like, yeah, let them know, Mrs. Sanders. That, that, was, uh, that was interesting. But I thought he played pretty good. Um, 
from the stuff that I saw. Problem is, Quentin Johnston is Whoa. an absolute beast. Now, I've been saying for a long time that he's the best wide receiver in the Big 12, and I was starting to look bad uh, throughout this the beginning of this season, but that dude has come on strong the last three weeks. Yes, I I agree. Uh, what, eight for 180 and a touchdown. And a, a massive touchdown in the football game. But what do you think about Gundy, the decision to not to kick the extra point at the end of the first overtime? I really, because like, they got a banged up team. I, I just, I thought there was an opportunity for him to say, hey, let's go win this right there. Because, you know, TCU had scored, kicked the extra point. They score. I, I was really hoping he'd go for two in that situation. I thought that would have been, would have given them the best opportunity to win the game. And I know hindsight, like they get the holding in the second overtime, end up having to kick a really long field goal just to force TCU to score. Uh, but I don't know. I thought that, I kind of thought he should have gone for two there. Yeah. You're on the road. Know. You know what I mean? No, I know, I know what you mean. Um, I think, I feel like the two point conversion play and i don't know what statistically it says but i feel like it favors the offense massively um i mean especially when you have a guy that can run like sanders yep and you know whenever you if i was to tell you you have one play from the what the three yard line to win a football game would you take it you'd almost always say yes. So I do get that. But on the other side of it, you know, they controlled so much of that football game that I guess I could understand if you think that you're the best team and this thing's going to work itself out. But uh, TCU was saying, ah, we're just going to go win it ourselves then, I guess. Yeah. And Duggan was good again, man. Yep. Um, thought he battled, took a lot of hits in that game, but one thing, like he didn't make any critical errors, right? Which is, which is important, but you know, he found Quentin Johnson, which is a good idea. Kendra Miller. I thought they really found some stuff in the second half of that game in the running game. And, you know, I, I will say, I got a lot of respect for Spencer Sanders. Mm -hmm. I guess he didn't practice all week with that shoulder. And for him to go out there, I thought he played his ass off and, and I know we had the interception there in the fourth quarter that was – it was a big underthrow, right? Who knows if he lays that out there, if if they end up winning this game or not. But I, I, I got a lot of respect for that guy. And maybe the, maybe the best part of this game – and if you didn't watch the game, you, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But, Ted, in the first half of this football game, there was a battle between both teams – on who could be more obnoxious with the execution of the sale of the snail defensive substitution technique. And like, yeah. it was so egregious that I think the refs even like talked to both coaches about it. Like, Hey guys, let's, these guys were, you've never seen defensive linemen jog off the field slower than these dudes. It was obnoxious and hilarious. Well, we were in the post game of our broadcast and we had the game on the TV and Sonny Dykes went off 
maybe worse than I've ever seen any coach go off on the officials. It uh, was it was Matt Campbell esque. It was he was hot, and I at the time I didn't see what it was, but I guess it's like the substitution deal, and they ended up either either having to I think they had to take a timeout because of it. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, he lit into those guys for the in, entirety of the television or the not wasn't the TV timeout of the you know the thirty second timeout. And the camera never came off of him. And he was F bombing and dude, he was <laughs> he was mad. That was great. Yeah. It was uh it was something, but a great game. And I think both of those teams, uh Oklahoma State needs to get healthy. That's a banged up football team. But uh, I think both of those teams still right in the middle of the Big Twelve race. Would not be surprised if we saw a rematch between yeah. those two. Yep. So we'll we'll see, but man, just some awesome games. And well, if you're wondering, there were some other good games that maybe a lot of Oklahoma fans are paying attention. We'll talk <laughs> about that in winners and losers. But first, it's football time in Oklahoma, people. There's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. Perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. They've also got some new flavors out. They've got a new can. To find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I had to go with Ole Miss, who knocked off Auburn. They are now a perfect seven and zero and looking really good. Um, they're into the, the top 10, number seven team in the country, um, getting all the media attention and the fanfare. And everyone loves Lane Kiffin and his dog and all of that stuff. Uh, so they're the winner because they get to bask in being a top 10 football team. Uh, for another week, uh, moving up to all the way up to number seven. But here's the bad news, though. They've got a backloaded schedule, and it's about to get way different for Ole Miss here in the uh, the final five games of the season. It is it, it is about to ramp up. There, there's no doubt about it. But I will say two things from that game. From what I saw, they're running the hell out of the football. Mm-hmm. And Jackson Dart starting to do some nice things with his legs. He's 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 playing pretty solid. 
for them. And every time I see him in those baby blue jerseys, God, those look good, man. I'm a massive fan of the. I don't. I don't know if it's technically baby blue, whatever hue of blue that is. <laughs> oh, big fan. No, it looks good. I, I like those uniforms too. Um, and hey, they they've earned their place. They knocked off a top ten Kentucky uh, earlier, but you know it's been been a fairly light schedule. Other than that, they're about to go at LSU, at Texas A&M, Alabama at Arkansas, Mississippi State. It's going to be a brutal five-game run here to end the year, and I don't know. I, I think it would be – I w- it would be, like, incredible for them if they finished the season with two losses. So, three of the next four on the road. Yep. And the one home games against Bama. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep, I'd yep. say the schedule's ramping up. And I think LSU is LSU's an improving football team. They're getting better. Dane Daniels is he's found something, man. Yeah. Playing playing much better. Texas AM, we just saw them take Bama to the wire on the road. You never know really what you're going to get from them a week in, week out, but they're tough. And then Alabama, um, they're going to be gearing up to finish this season really hard now that they've taken that one loss and at Arkansas, I guess KJ Jefferson is what well, a little bit banged up right now, but by that time he'll most likely be back and ready to go. Mississippi State is no pushover; they're they're tough too, so going to be tough. Yeah, but college football's more entertaining when Lane Kiffin's team is good. That, there's no doubt about that. The, the there will be content. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Yet another. Amazing, really good college football game. I got to go with Iowa State. Oh. They got Texas on the ropes. They got them beat. You got like two and a half minutes left. They're down, driving to take the lead from their like right at the 50-yard line. A deep ball to Xavier Hutchinson, who is wide open. Hits him in stride, and he drops it. Easy touchdown. Now, do they hold Texas off uh, to get the win? I don't know, but they definitely would have had the lead with two and a half to play at home. It was it was really painful to watch because Xavier Hutchinson has been undoubtedly the best player for that football team. He's got like 35 catches more than the second place guy in the Big 12 right now. He has been he's been great. And uh, it wasn't a great throw from Deckers, right? He underthrew it, but underthrew him a little bit. Then that's hard when you're still, that open. Still, he I mean, that's just a catch that that guy makes. And you could just see the heartbreak like he's laying on the ground. And that being said, they still, I mean, drive it down there. And what Deckers fumbled? That fumble was on first down, wasn't it? Where he fumbles it away right. to him and they never get yeah. it back, right? No. It was, I'm pretty sure it was first and 10 from like Bump. the Texas 32 because he drops it. The drive still keeps going. And I would say still look, they, they looked like they were going to go at the very least kick a field goal and tie the game. But Deckers ends up fumbling and, oh, that was a painful Brutal. one. But I, I told everyone, hey, that Iowa State defense is for real. Texas yep. is not going to have a fun time playing them. And, that Iowa State defense did their thing, man. 
Yeah, let's see. The fumble occurred at the Texas 32-yard line on first and 10. Oh, brutal. Yep. So, I mean, it Two looked it looked play. like at the very least they were going to go tie the game. Yeah. Uh, but, man. Now, was that the play – was that the play that everyone wanted targeting on? Yeah, I was confused by that. I didn't. Did you? Did you think that was targeting? I was confused. No. I didn't understand. Not targeting at all. Okay. In my opinion, I, I mean, he's 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 a runner. He's it's he's not a defenseless player. He's not a quarterback. I thought it was a a tough physical shot on a. Right. I I don't know. But you know what side I'm always going to be on whenever it comes to those. Um, we had a we had a Matt Campbell moment though, right? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'll I'll say this: Decker's that fumble. Whether you think it was targeting or not, that dude got lit up Ooh. on that yeah, hit. That was brutal. Oof. Some quarterbacks that hey man, the and I know they do a really good job protecting them, but. Buddy, as a quarterback, and I know everyone wants to have a running quarterback, and it's a big, dangerous weapon. But you're entering a different, uh, you're entering a different game that everyone else plays whenever you take off with that football. So uh, keep your head on a swivel. Yeah. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Syracuse. 6-0, and man. Smacked NC State. Now, NC State didn't have Devin Leary. He's going to be done for the year, which is a bummer with the peck. But it was not the prettiest football game, but watched quite a bit of it. Never felt in doubt. For the Syracuse Orange, they stormed the field like it was an awesome scene. I don't know what they call the Carrier Dome now. It's something different, but I'm still going to call it the Carrier Dome. It was great. It was like Syracuse football. They got some juice back, man. Yeah. Um, 
Now, Syracuse is another. I feel like they're they're in the the similar boat as Ole Miss. They've had a fairly Correct. easy schedule and they're backloaded big time. So it's about to get tough. But hey, um, what what did they move up to? They were were they seventeen previously? I think they were eighteen going into that game, and they are now fourteen in there the latest go. AP poll. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. Good for you, Dino Babers. Good for right. you. Uh, but my winner of the weekend, Kyle Whittingham, Utah, both. Cajones. Cajones to go for two at the end of that football game, and I like it. It's similar to what I said about the two-point conversion for Oklahoma State that I thought they should have gone for at the end of the first overtime against TCU. Put the ball in your best player's hands. Right. And, and that is, that's what they did. They got the ball in Cameron Rising's hands. They gave him multiple options in the pass game or to tuck it and run. One there in the pass game, he takes off, flap jacket and all, looking doughy. Loved it. <laughs> mustache, hair flowing in the breeze, mustache wisping. And he, he got it done, man. And I, and that was after they basically just go. You know, QB power, student body left to score the touchdown on that fourth down play. And I, I love the call by Whittingham. Uh, I love that Cam Rising continues to be a deceptively good runner for how he looks and he wins the game on a two-point conversion. And that was that was an awesome game. And really it came out USC's defense, they could just not get off the field, especially in the second half. Utah, what, 10 for 16 on third and fourth down? It was just, it was a struggle for that defense who'd done some really, really good stuff up to that point to get off the field. Yeah. It was a wild game, man. It was it fun really to was. watch, man. And I know a lot of people were watching it, rooting against USC. You and I, our emotions are all over the place watching USC uh, with our, with our uh, friendships on that staff, but it was. It was just really fun. It was a really entertaining game. I tried to remove all emotion out of it. I'll tell you this. Caleb Williams made some throws in that game. Dude, what are they doing? Why, why are there so many unblocked guys running at him all the time? What is happening? <laughs> I don't, I don't Dude, know. There were some plays. He It looked like a video game. He's make, He's running around. and It was you know what it looked like? It reminded me some, you remember some of like the Johnny Manziel highlights the year he yeah. won the Heisman. Yeah. He was doing some Johnny football stuff, just like running around, spinning in circles. And like, he'd come out and then fling it downfield. It was amazing to watch. He threw that one. I think, I think it may have been, uh, Mario Williams that caught it, but he threw him open and it was just like, wow. Where did that come from? He did some incredible things. I, I did think, and we'll see. I haven't heard any update on Jordan Addison. Didn't look good. Him going down for them was, that was a big blow in that game for USC. And I, I guess the only other thing on the game, like Lincoln Riley, the way that he handled the last possession, you know, from a clock management standpoint was, was confusing for me, right? I just, I, th I thought it was odd. Because, I mean, Utah's got the ball first and goal, and you play it well defensively on first and second down. Like, they never used timeouts. I didn't understand because 
I get you want to keep your timeouts, but having time on the clock, like if you don't have time to progress the ball down the field, then the timeouts are worthless. So college I, is, is so much different. Like you don't you don't necessarily need the timeouts on offense. You need yeah. them when you're on defense. Yeah. And that's yeah. where it's like you still have the ability to stop the clock with first downs, but like there's got to be time on the clock for you to get the ball down the field. Right. Like, and you, you got to think is you want to have confidence in your defense, but you got to think, Hey, I got to maximize our time in case they score. It's weird. You're going to have to explain to me. Oh, I know what you're situation. About to say. What, what I, was that? I don't know, but this is why I'm not a coach. Cause if I was Kyle Whittingham, I probably would have assaulted that referee on the field. So if you didn't Especially watch the after game, the explanation that they did not give. So if you didn't watch the game, USC, so Utah scores, they get the two point conversion. They're up one. There's still some time left on the clock. USC has got the ability to go down, try to get in field goal range, kick field goal to win the game. Caleb Williams throws an interception which pass interference was called and the ball gets returned for, I mean, I don't even know how many seconds, seconds, seven, eight seconds, a lot. Yeah. It was a a lot of time. Like the guy returns it for a while. And for whatever reason, it with, it made it, they made it sound like they put time back on the clock. That shouldn't have been put on the clock is what they made. It sound like is there was an inadvertent, yeah, but he was like referee. a referee called a timeout. Like that's how they phrased it. It was bizarre. Who cares? You went back and reviewed it. Like pull out the stopwatch and it just see where the clock should be. I mean, it's not that difficult. That was I, crazy. And not only did they put more time, like put, like they didn't get penalized for the interception return, like the clock where it should have run down to like four seconds or three seconds, maybe. They put more time on the clock. Then was originally on there whenever he he made the interception. It it was one of the situations where because I was watching it, we we had some people over at the house. I was watching. I was like, "What's going on here?" Like it it felt suspicious, very suspicious. Yeah, but, I, and there was no no explanation. Just oh yeah, uh, don't worry about that. There was an inadvertent timeout by the referee. It was very <laughs> sketchy. Kyle Whittingham was like losing his mind, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I probably would have tackled somebody out there. Like, I, I will say neck and got an answer out of him. I will say in that situation now, like with pass interference only being a 15 yard penalty in college, if you've got a situation like that where the team where a team's only got time for like two more plays tackle their wide receiver and pick it off and run around waste time <laughs> yeah. on the clock. It's what Bill Belichick would do. <laughs> yeah. Gra- run around. And then right before you get tackled, punt the ball straight up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, Oh, one untimed out. Okay, cool. I don't know. It's just something crossed my mind. All right. For my loser of the weekend, thought about going with the Atlanta Braves down, go the defending champs. Oh, wow. Phillies. Took care of them. Just an offensive explosion. Yeah, I'm watching baseball now. Just an offensive explosion for the Phillies in game three and game four 
I believe outscored the Braves 17 to four in those two. And every time I was watching those get like that crowd in Philadelphia looked nuts, man. Yeah. That place was going insane. They've got a feeding frenzy there. And, you know, uh, there's, there's some good sports going on right now. This, this the is sports, the sports are good currently, my friend. Um, also thought about going with just like everyone in the NBA, but the Warriors. Apparently, the Lakers have decided that money does not matter. Uh, they don't care about the luxury tax. Did you see these numbers, dude? Crazy. So they announced they've agreed to a four-year, $109 million contract extension with Andrew Wiggins, who was awesome for them in the playoffs last year. Uh, they also announced a $140 million extension for Jordan Poole. That's I'm so he sure doesn't glad sue him for getting yeah. assaulted on their uh, facility grounds. But the the payroll and luxury tax for next season, right, with how everything lines up right now for the Golden State Warriors, $483 million. For reference, the NBA salary cap for this season is $123 million. The tax level is 150. Paying four 483 times. million for the Warriors next year, as of right now. They're paying four times the luxury cap in penalties, luxury tax. Wow. Yeah. So I guess they just don't care. So, all right. But also thought about going with Lamar Jackson. What, what, what was that? And I know, hey, bad snap, right? Kind of sense of panic but he's too good to throw it up for grabs in that moment, man. What was that? And wasn't he throwing it like to Ricard, the 300 pound fullback? Like what was he doing? <laughs> it ends up costing him the game against the giants. Yeah. I will say though, um, I, the Ravens are good and I think they're going to be fine, but yeah. it was awesome that after the game, seeing Brian Dayball in the giants, like, that was that was fun to see the how much they were uh celebrating that win. That was cool. Yeah, it, it was. Saquon, healthy Saquon's so fun to watch. My God. He's been I was about to write him off as a guy that's just not gonna be able to stay healthy. And whoo, he's a difference maker. Oh my gosh. From one New York team to the other, man, because my loser of the weekend. And what this is a couple of weeks in a row now. The Green Bay Packers. Right there, they were coming off that fourth quarter meltdown in London against the Giants, and they just got smacked at Lambeau by the New York Jets. I mean, 27 10, and Jets controlled that whole thing. Give the ball to Brees Hall, man, run the rock, and he's starting to come on strong for them. Zach Wilson didn't really have to do a ton throwing the ball. Uh, Packers could not run the football in that game, and the Jets held Aaron Rodgers in check, and they dominated special teams, right? Blocked a field goal, blocked a punt, scooped and scored for a touchdown. I mean, the New York Jets are forward too, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man. If you if you lose special teams that bad, like that gets people fired in in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Whenever you lose special teams that bad. And yeah, the Packers, man, it's been it's been a tough go for them. Their defense, their defense, like there was a stretch there where they were playing incredible defense. It's been a while. It's been a long time, actually. But, you know, there was a a while where they were kind of known for their defense. And it's just totally disappeared up there, man. Totally disappeared. And 
it's been tough for them. You can only manufacture so much offensively and they're thin weapon wise now that Devonte Adams is gone and, and went to Oakland. So it's, um, I don't know, not looking good for the pack, but somehow they always find a way to get it together at the right time. It feels like, yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see if anything, their defense coordinator, Joe Barry, going to be interesting to see if he lasts the season. Guy's getting a lot of criticism his way. Yeah. Now, uh, but Which I like Joe Barry. I, I, I played a year for him. I really like the guy, but it's all about results, man. Results driven business. Yeah. And I mean, Joe Barry's got nothing to do with the Jets getting after Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, what sacked him, I think four or five times, hit him a bunch. I mean, it was Sauce Gardner ends up walking off the field wearing one of those Packers cheese heads. I saw that. It was awesome. Did you see Lazard? Remember, Lazard was he was a stud at Iowa State, and he's kind of yeah, become like, Rogers' go-to guy. Xavier Hutchinson is like total. Lazard 2.0. It's like the same guy. Yeah. Big six six wide receiver. Yeah. But yeah, so. Packers struggling and Jets and Giants, man, they got it rolling. Kind of a little more life there in the New York football scene. It's kind of fun. Hey, I'll just tell you right now. Um, thank God for the DVR because I'm getting text messages about uh Josh Allen in this in this Chiefs Bills game. So I think this weekend of football isn't over yet. Yes. Uh we hey, 10 to 10 at halftime. It's like zero zero, baby. We haven't That's missed it. anything. That's Let's it. Let's go. If, hey, if the second half of that game is anything like uh, last year's playoff game, we're we're in store for plenty. Yeah, we'll talk about it on Wednesday. All right, episode 258 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. OU1, praise be. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.